W-I-N-I-F-R-E-D, the podcast, writing, inspiring, notably, intentionally, for readers everywhere to discover. Today, I have a deep dive, a deep dive, talking about mental health, mental wellness, you know, having a, a counselor or a therapist, and how it's important. It's important. I mean, there definitely has been a shift from people who come from communities, I will say, that traditionally would down talk having a professional to sit and discuss things like emotions and and family history, family trauma and generational curses and different things of that nature. But now more people are being open to the idea that this is good. I had an opportunity to chat with (laughs) someone that is so vibrant and so amazing. Um, I can only say positive things since the first time that I connected with this gentleman. Once I've connected with this gentleman, but I'm going to go ahead and let him speak and not drag out the intro. Enjoy this episode. Receive the information from this episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have another amazing guest with me today. So happy to sit and chat with this gentleman. I have Judah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Winifred. Winifred Podcast. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> like my first podcast I've been on. Really? <sighs> yes, I've been on radio shows and things like that, but my first podcast. <laughs> Excellent. That makes my heart smile. I like to be, you know, one of the first um, with people. So yeah. Okay. So that's that's amazing. Um, so I have you here today because you wrote a book um, and I want to talk about it. I kind of want to get into the subject matter and your writing process. But first, I want people to get a feel for who you are. And I think that who we are today, all of us, you know, relies heavily upon our upbringing to some degree. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background, uh, where you're from and, you know, what you were like as a child? Um, as a child, let's start from there. <laughs> I think I was very, um, free-spirited, um, and meaning that I didn't have any filters. So that's more like what I am today. <laughs> um, but with adult, um, free-spirit, um, I originally grew up in Mississippi, um, rural, urban Mississippi, um, Brothers and sisters, um, family of eight, um, mom and dad, um, you know, they got divorced, um, remarried, different things. Um, Living in the South could be difficult for some, but I think, um, like my dad said, um, he moved us to the South because if we were living in the city, it would have been too um, advantageous for us to be out and about. And so he moved us to the country so we could have free space in order to run wild. Um, Did I like it? I liked it, but I think it could have become better because if anybody know about Mississippi um, school system, um, they have a very poor education school system. So I was rendered under that authority of that school system. Um, Not saying that teachers and things were bad, but we had um, less than the um, city folk. Um, as you see, I see, I see a lot of country acronym, acronyms. So, um, so um, which I think that was a barrier for me because I wanted better for myself. Um, I actually originally uh, went to my father's um, graduation, um, went to the Navy, um, got out the Navy, um, did my thing. Um, I decided to go back to school um, 
to school, start school, um, I started at Jackson State University, uh, where I was a um, social worker. Um, start writing um, different um, papers and things like that. So I actually won a scholarly scholarship paper. I won the Frank Egan Award, and I wrote about um, HIV and AIDS in Black America. And that was in the 90s, um, close to 2000, early 2000s, um, which got me my, um, I received a scholarship from the University of Alabama for my graduate degree. So I did advanced standing graduate degree um, at um, the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Roll Tide. Um, and I've just been, I'm a life learner. Um, one thing that I saw that I was dismayed about um, because in it, there were traumas. Um, the divorce of my mom and pop, um, trauma with just different things um, that I don't know um, back then how to relate or to come about um, the need of healing. So I think in my latter years, I started the healing process being that um, in my mind and just my mind, um, after I graduated college, I became a mental health therapist. I, I've, I've been through many arenas. I don't wanna talk about all the jobs and things and degrees and stuff I had, but for one sake, um, I became a mental health therapist. Um, being that um, I thought that <clears throat> in myself, that if I just give the knowledge and skill set and expertise that I had attained through my degrees and my um, licensure, that I will, everybody will be free. Hmm. Um, well, I did learn from that because I start carrying on a lot of their traumas because now my traumas seem small. And I start carrying on the stuff they start telling me and the things that just going through each and every um, client, every household, because I was a um, at-home therapist too as well, where I go inside the house and provide therapy to um, the clients and their families. Um, and I was, you know, I was just uh, um, appalled about how people did not want to change. So I was more so of, am I doing something wrong? Because I'm, I'm thinking I got the knowledge, I got the expertise, I got everything that I need to give them, but why don't they want to change? That's fascinating. I, I, you know, I took it on me that it, I was the problem. I could have gave them every tool in the book to use and say, do this, do this right and everything like that. But the majority of the clients didn't want change because it became in their learned behavior that it was normalized. Right. So that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I had one client that was living in um, impoverished neighborhood. Um, her parents, parents, grandparents had been in the foster care system. And now we got about four decades of foster care system probability and um, data collected on these people. Um, and to see her in a system that worried me of, is this um, genetically um, dedicated to this certain person or this certain generation of people? And I start realizing like, and I start looking at my cases that still had cases in the seventies. Mm -hmm. And that, that puzzled me on what were we doing as a nation to get them out? Or were we still handing them what they know and the environment that they choose to be? And when I say choose, my, my, I'm rationaling behind the fact of behavior. If it's a learned behavior that your mother of the mother of the mother of the grandmother was on the welfare system, 
that that's the way they got by. So that's the only way they know. Right. So it's a behavior. And it's a learned behavior. That people identify within their mind that it's okay to keep doing this. And as I talked with her, she said, oh, I'm going to let you know, my family got a history in the foster care system. And I'm okay with that. She felt like she was popular. <laughs> mm. Like she was a celebrity for the foster care system. And I was like, well, don't you want better for your children? And she asked me, what is better? Hmm. <laughs> I stopped and like, wow. Like the things that you see, the things you see, she said, I got a roof over my head. I'm doing the best I can, just like my mom did the best she can for me, like her mom did the best she can for her. This is our best right here. That's when I knew I had to pull back because I started designing my therapy according to my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was wrong. I didn't see them for who they were. I actually passed judgment on them because my best was not their best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I really had to pull back and, and think about that in our own diversified lives and our, and our very estranged isms that we use in society, that we're all pretty much alike. So what is your best? And only you know your best. How dare I come into their household, in their society, in their generation, and the current generation that I'm trying to provide therapy to and tell her she should do her best? Without even identifying or asking her what her best was. We have a lot of people that do that. Look at some of the killings and things that have happened around the world. People have this ideology and things like that of, oh, if you go break in this house, you're going to get shot. And just different stuff. But if we all think about the things that have happened up until now, were, were any questions asked? Which I call, everybody becomes reactionary now. Mm-hmm. And they only reaction. They're reacting off behaviors that have been eluded throughout history. And no one has captured a behavioral model to decrease the reactionary behavior. It's very fascinating because, you know, I when you say what is a person's best, um, it's definitely true that everyone has their own idea of what is best based on their own experiences, sometimes based on their history. Sometimes people box themselves in and it's very hard for them to see a life that is totally different um, from all that they know. And I like that you said that, you know, you're going into their home and you're bringing in your expectations and your views and, and things that relate more so to you and your experiences, but you kind of have to take it case by case. Um, it's interesting because I think that there are some people, regardless of what they have experienced, regardless of who they hang around or grew up around, they find a way to see a life that is so far away from what they know. And they're able to kind of transition into a brand new life. And I think that that is what so many people want for others, but it's not up to anybody outside of that person to do so. And I think that's so powerful, those experiences that you had. Um, I learned a lot about you just in, in that. <laughs> I didn't know all those things. So I'm wondering, when was the moment that you realized 
that you wanted to write a book? Like, did you write as a kid or was this something that came along? I know you got your scholarship and, you know, going through these different degree programs, you'd have to do a lot of writing, but did you have like a desire to be a writer at any point while you were a child? Um, and I, I have to be honest, I like, I like to write, but I like research better. So in researching, I, I wrote. So if anybody needed anything like curriculums, um, vacation Bible school, I was always the one to write the stuff. I was the one that, hey, let me help, you know? That's what I did. Um, um, in uh, my graduate um, school, I actually wrote the program. Um, I wrote a program that's called the WOW program. Um, so I wrote policy and things like that for that too as well. So I was just, I, I, I love to write grants. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm nerdy like that. <laughs> so I, was, I just like to write. But I saw the, the, the avenue of me as a social worker, mental health therapist, um, wanting to write a social work chronicles. Mm. But I never got around to doing it. And then I was looking like, I did not want to just alienate it to social work. I wanted a grandiose audience where I could accept everyone to read this book. Mm -hmm. So I became more diverse. I became more inclusive of everyone. What does everybody deal with? And that's pressures. Mm. Whether it's traumas or whatever. But then again, on top of that, your pressures usually run into some type of sinful act. And that's why the name of the book is The Pressures of My Sin, which people don't understand the title is really the pressures of my skin. Mm. Because it has to react from the flesh. But I want to make sure that it was an inner thing too as well because once it's on in the flesh, on the skin, it becomes inside of you within your soul and becomes sin, especially when you've done the deed of sin. Mm -hmm. So... That's it. <laughs> well, well, well. Wow. And we call it, we call it underscore difficult conversations because these are conversations that people don't want to have. So, wow, wow, wow. Powerful stuff here. So I pulled the book up on Amazon and yes. I will have links, you know, to your social media and to the Amazon so people can purchase the book. But I'm just going to read a little bit of the description that's here on Amazon just to give people a little feel um, of what to expect before we get into it a little bit, a little bit deeper. So um, whether it is economic pressure or family pressure, or pressure somehow related to your jobs, we all know what the pressures of daily life can be like. Maybe you are in a battle for your health today, or maybe you are feeling the pressure of not getting anywhere in your life. You wonder why you are not at a different level of life. Why do you not seem to have any sense of direction? Why do you feel like that tiny hamster running around the little wheel? Whatever it is, feeling the pressure of life is something that we all have in common. Yes, we all have in common. That is <laughs> truer than truer could be. No matter what people make it seem like, you know, you see them online, social media, or you see them in the public eye, or you see that person doing the presentation at work that's nicely dressed or, you know, and you just think, man, they have it all together. Yes. Everybody is dealing with pressure, silent battles, you yes. know, that you would never, ever know about. And so I think that this is just such an important, important book. And I'm so glad that you are are tackling um, these things. I just wanted to point out the pressures uh, of my sin, of my skin, difficult conversations. The author name on this book is Jeremy Sims. Um, just in case people are looking it up, it will say Jeremy Sims. So tell me about the process of writing this book. 
I think the process of writing it, I already know because it was attributed to my social work chronicles. And when I did my own transformation, I had to go down through the years of hidden trauma, hidden pressures. Why did I do this? What was the root cause of me doing this? I didn't blame anybody for what happened. I blamed me. I had to become responsible. Because the only way you can heal is holding yourself accountable. So in that transformation process, I looked at the whys. And why was I doing it? Could it have been attributed to social gatherings? Could it have been attributed to familiar or family ties? Was it um, attributed to my mother, mother's side? Was it attributed to my father's side? And when I start documenting those things, I saw how they had different age ranges that I need to address first. So I started with my early childhood. And I did a whole block of that, just writing of what's going on with me and why I am the way I am today. Then I, go, I went to the adolescent because I, after those months, I healed from their childhood because I had asked all the questions. I did the research. I did what I need to do so I can become better from that childhood. Now I've graduated from childhood. I attacked the teenage years. What was that benefit that was holding me back where I couldn't get from my childhood to my teenage years? I said, how did I become mature so early? I had to think about all that trauma that was in those teenage years and what was the attributing factor in my, in my childhood years because I was four years old taking care of my two-year-old sister and my six-month-old brother. Mm. So I was already an adult. So then I started looking at what happened within that area of teenage years. Then I came back healed from those teenage years, then I have to start looking at the 21s and 22s and stuff like, what happened here? Where I have not healed from. Then I spread it out until my current year. And then I, I, that was five years of processing. And now I am a mature, graduated adult from my traumas. I healed, I hear me, I graduated. Remember, sometimes we, 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 we take education as a graduation and, and PhDs and all this for graduation. When are you going to graduate mentally, physically, and spiritually? Wow. Mm, mm, mm. You said a word. Mm. Ain't no degrees there, but we still, some people still on the nipple. Because you're still acting like a child at 50, 60, 70 years old. you still throwing tantrums. Make that make sense. Mm -hmm. We're adults now when we need to be embracing our adulthood, but guess what? You can't embrace it if you still haven't um, hit those key point areas in your childhood. In, in your, 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 your different things you had trauma in. You can't, you can't reach that because guess what? That brain is still there and in a simple little part, guess what's going on? I still want to be a child. Because I didn't get my way at two years old. Hmm. That part. So I have a question. I yes. have a question. So, <laughs> so when, you know, some people believe you can never truly be healed from certain things. Like, you know, there are different levels to trauma. And some people feel no matter how much you know, therapy or prayer or whatever you do, certain things, they're always going to bother you. They're always going to affect you. It's like a never ending cycle of trauma that, you know, trickles down to all different areas of your life. Do you believe that is a false statement? Do you truly believe that you can be healed 
completely from all dramas. And, 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 and let me ask you something, because the, the, the people don't understand that if you do the necessary things in order to heal, and that's the problem, people don't know the necessary things sometimes, and they choose the way to heal by themselves instead of going to a professional. Not for healing, not putting smoke and sound baths and all that over you but addressing those traumas, addressing those hard whys. Most people don't want to do it because guess what? They don't want the truth. The truth hurts. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Some women out there, and it's in my book, they have family members raping and raping them. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about our abortions. We don't want to talk about different things like that. We don't want to talk about the uncle sleeping with the girl cousins. Mm, mm. That's all. Oh, no, that didn't happen. Yes, they did. Allow that person to heal from it. Why are we still shut up? We shut up because of learned behavior. And if anybody knows that in any society, it says what stays in this house stays in this house. And now we're locked in that because it became a learned behavior of shouldn't nobody know what happened. Yep. Yep. You said it. You said so how can, how can I heal if nobody can? Now we're trying to go to therapists. But guess what? As a therapist, let me tell you what I did. I assessed and diagnosed. My diagnosis and assessment could have been wrong by the information that they told. Mm. So that's an assumption. Wow. I'm glad you said that because you know what? And I'm just going to go ahead and say lots of people will go to counseling or, or therapy and they don't tell the whole truth. And they still expect they still expect to receive some sort of healing or benefit without giving it all excuse me they go to therapy and guess what they do they act like they already healed oh ain't nothing wrong with me let me tell you what i'm doing now no tell them what you did back then well <laughs> <laughs> because you still crying at night make it make sense Mm -hmm. So that's where I am. And that's why I went into the coaching business, because now I can have a holistic approach and bringing whatever that is. And one, one, one of my clients I had, uh, she had to bring some of her um, trauma in. But like I told her, that piece is very imperative to your therapist and not me. But guess what? I had to touch on it to move her forward to where she is now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand our limitations and guidelines. But my whole thing is that we become a whole more holistic about it. And that's why I'm a health, life coach, spiritual coach, and an executive coach. Mm -hmm. Because basically, if I can move you from a job or your health and your, and your life and your spiritual peace, which is health, health education, awareness, um, awareness, health, education, and awareness of life. Wow. Because guess what? When you were born, in order for you to live past um, two years old, you had to be healthy. Hmm. Guess what? After that, round two, three, four, your education started. Mm -hmm. But guess what? When you were born, you already had awareness of life because they slapped you on your behind. Hey. So we got to take it back there because that's where you learn how to be bad when they slapped you because you cried. You had emotions. You had feelings. It woke you up. Hmm. Nobody's talking about that. <laughs> oh, shucks. Shaking the table. <laughs> So, how, okay, I have another question for you. So, how important is it for a person's therapist or counselor to be able to, let's say, relate to their patient, maybe be, you know, from the same cultural background or, you know, some kind of connection outside of 
coming in. Yes, I am the the educator. I have the skills, but like something else, because for example, I knew this one young lady, she was telling me that, and she was from, um, oh my gosh, she was from, I want to say she was from Ethiopia and she had a therapist who was Caucasian. And, you know, she was kind of breaking down some of the things that she experienced growing up, her culture. And, and I'm going to just say that her counselor, according to what she said, had no clue and was just totally lost and proceeded to tell her that the things that she was talking about were not really valid reasons for her to feel how she felt. And then she discontinued um, seeing that particular counselor or therapist. So do you believe it's important? Because there are a lot of, you know, thankfully there are so many counselors and therapists now who are black and we're all like, oh, if I'm black, I need to see a black therapist. Do you feel that really is a major factor or is it just about who has the skills to get it done? And, and let me be honest with everybody, because I've seen a therapist. Mm -hmm. I've seen several therapists. Um, the one thing that people have to understand is this. Therapist is just like shopping for a car. You got to get to know them too. Do you just go and test driving car and say, oh, I'm going to get this tomorrow? It, it doesn't happen like that. The thing is, that's just like any job. We want people to be good, but guess what? We don't even know that the, the healing they got to go through. Mm. Or you got to understand, some of them just there for a job. Let's keep it real. When I went into the mental health therapist, I had the passion for it. And the passion for it describes something different than me just getting a paycheck. So what is their mission and goal of therapy? You got to learn. Ask them questions. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, 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 hey, it's just like dating. And that's why we end up with a lot of people that <laughs> ain't no good for us. You end up with a lot of therapists that ain't no good for you. Not saying nothing bad about therapists, but there are some therapists out there that just don't know how to do therapy. That's I'm just keeping it real. There's some um, accountants out there that don't know how to handle your money right. <laughs> just keep it real. So my question is this, shop around. When I tell you I had to shop around for my therapist, and she was a she was a Caucasian one. That's a fact. Huh? Say that again. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry about that. Continue. I froze up for a bit, but I heard everything you said. Yeah, she was a Caucasian one. But I had to shop around for her. But then again, I had to tell my whole story. Because I was telling people my whole story, but I was like on oh, my seventh therapist and nobody could get it because they saw me suited and booted every time I went into therapy sessions, but nobody could get what was going on with me. You're like, you got it all together. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting. And yes, yes, I totally agree. You know, you got to have that right that right connection um, is like any relationship, right? Yes. You have some level of understanding. Um, you want to talk to someone that you believe sees where you're coming from, can understand your, your perspective, your point of view. Um, so I totally, I totally agree with that. I'm going to share a brief story because I actually saw um, a doctor so this is an exclusive y'all um because I usually don't be telling my business but um so I used to work at a hospital and we would get these emails all the time for all these different offers and in the email it said see a psychologist um 
a therapist or, you know, it was a couple of different titles free of charge, right? Because they had people who were in school who were trying to get their hours in, you know, this was part of the requirement for them to complete their program for the education. So something in me said, you know what, go, go, why not? see somebody this was several years this is probably like 20 years ago I was very young um but I was like all right I'm gonna talk to this person and see what's up I have dealt with certain things you know in in my childhood in you know the teenage years or what have you but on that specific occasion there was not a specific thing in my brain that I felt like oh I want to talk about this but anyway so I go and meet up with this young lady um, she's telling me, yeah, she's still in training and, you know, she's just going to ask me a couple questions. She said, I want to record you. Is that okay? It's not going to be shown, you know, blah, blah, blah. I agree to everything. And she starts to ask me questions. And when I tell you by like the fifth minute, I was crying. <laughs> I was, I was boohoo crying in that chair. She had the ability to tap into so many feelings that I had buried. She asked so many questions and I came in there with my whole intentions of being 100% transparent, um, giving it my all. And it was just such an incredible experience. So I don't know, I think everybody should do it. I know some people feel like that's not their way. They feel like, they have their own, you know, whether they speak to people, their friends or whatever they use to kind of deal with things. But do you think everybody should see some sort of therapist or counselor? What I, in my opinion, I don't say just a therapist or a counselor because you have people that consult. Um, um, they can do a coach. Um, they can do a lot of things, but I want people to understand that in my opinion, healing starts with self hmm. and acknowledging that there is something wrong. If you never acknowledge it, guess what's going to happen? Or acknowledging some things are wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But guess what? If you never attack that that, that, that wound from childhood, you're just putting a Band-Aid on and trying to just attack adult. And it's gonna fester back up by triggers, by things people do to you and things like that. It's gonna, it's gonna trigger back up. And now you're gonna have an open sore again where you're gonna fall back into your aggressive state of being back into that childhood because you haven't graduated from the childhood trauma. So, yeah. What so you have to, huh? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> um, so what do you think we as people in society, adults, just general public can do to assist people in their healing journeys because you have some people that will say oh we don't need to hear you know all your business or you have people that say oh walk it off shake it off that's normal you know depending on what era you were born in people will say oh well that was the 70s we were all you know all people were doing this and doing that that's normal like I think that sometimes people in general do a bad job of comforting people or supporting people who are in their healing journey. It doesn't have to be somebody you're close to. It doesn't have to be your friend, your family member, just anybody um, who may express their, that they're dealing with something. Like what are some tips maybe for the general public? Because no, it's not our job to help people yeah. as a whole, you know, with others who are healing. But I do think that everybody is influential in one way or another, and we can be helpful. Um, I think the biggest tip is, is listening to someone. Hmm. You don't have to say a word. And, and, and that goes to um, 
I'm going to go to the book of Job when Job was sick. His friend sat there three days with him and didn't say a word. They listened. Sometimes they don't want to. Some, the, the, the problem is, is we have alienated our trust from a lot of things. And we want to just depend on ourselves. Only me, I can do this and I can do that. But some people out there really want people to heal. Like myself. Um, and like I tell them, you got to want it on your time. I can't make you want it. <laughs> We can do the work, but in that process, it's still, how are you graduating from each step? And only you know when you graduate. But if you still have sickness within your body, that means something is not right. You're probably not eating healthy. You're probably still stressed about something. What is the underlying thing of that stress? And did it accumulate from your childhood. Mm, mm, mm. Sometimes we have to do uh, our own learned behavior. And one thing that I did, and I'm gonna tell you, Winifred, is I had to turn myself inside out. And that's from a, um, a, a not a physical standpoint, but just visually seeing myself turned inside out because I know my muscles was more strong in the inside. And my flesh was weak. So I turned my flesh inside out. And so I had to look at it from how do I build more muscle for me to be strong on the outside? And I knew one thing is I had to change my mindset. The other thing was number two is I had to change my behaviors. And number three, I had to change my lifestyles, whether they were eating, whether they were drinking or whatever to make sure that I had all the remnants or the elements of becoming more healthier. But that only works for me. Hmm. Everybody say, well, I can go eat anything. No, you can't. You know what you feel like after you eat a meal. Hmm. Why are you eating so much? That's gluttony. Hmm. Talk about it. Talk about it. Why are you gossiping so much? Double-edged sword. What you're talking about everybody else about, that's going to come back on you. And you're going to be what you're talking about. Then you wonder why everybody else is talking about you now. Because you're a gossiper. So guess what? If you are eliciting gossip to everybody else, People are going to gossip about you, and now you're mad because people are gossiping about you. But you done put out that element for a piece of the gossip about you. Just be quiet. Mm. Say positive things, like Auntie Tabitha say. Normalize positivity. Let's normalize it. Why do we always have to put a negative connotation on anything that we say? Why are we not rising people up? That's how the rise creating your voice came. We have to rise people up. Grand rising. Every day we rise, but we don't acknowledge that other people rise with us. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Well said. My people, it's time to start realizing what we have as humans and humankind. Because guess what? If we erase all these isms, these classisms, oh, everybody want to be equal. Well, guess what? If you want to be so equal, why don't you eat equal portions of food each day? You want equal rights? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Why don't you have the equal brain mind that you want to have, but you want equal rights? Why you don't drink the same drink every day, but you want equal rights? Why don't you come and try to do something for your body, but you want equal rights? You want equal rights because that is the agenda that has been fixed on you or fixated by a popularity campaign. Mm. Mm. 
And now you want to be popular, but you ain't even equaled out your own self. Your equilibrium is already off. Make it make sense. Mm. Well, well, we shouting out there, yeah, yeah. We all need, well, we all have equal rights. We are humankind. It's no isms. That's what this book talks about, the pressures of my sin is this is diversity and inclusion. We did not talk about whether people were black. We didn't talk about whether people were white. We didn't talk about whether people was gay. We didn't talk about whether people were straight. We talked about pressures. Mm. That's it. Which we all have, which is an element of our lives. Why don't we talk about that thing? No, we're too busy trying to talk about what's popular. Mm -hmm. Trying to be in the in crowd. I am a peculiar person and it says that in the Bible. And I'm going to remain there. Yeah, I mean, we're all so distracted, you know. What's this person doing? What's that person doing? What's that person's child doing? What's this celebrity doing? It's like we want to put all our attention on what's going on with everybody else. Meanwhile, we have so much that we are dealing with. But no, we don't want to, we don't want to confront that. We don't want to face that. We want to just stick our head in, in everybody else's business. Like I try to tell people, it's spicy in the other soup pot. <laughs> <laughs> I know I got a lot of antonyms from the country. It's always spicy in somebody else's soup, soup pot. But I think what we need to realize is, what are you cooking up? And most people are cooking up destruction for themselves. <laughs> and you ain't even trying to stir anything within yourself. Nothing. Your gift. You having kids out of wedlock, you having kids just because you want to. One lady said that, uh, what did she say? I was watching her, I forgot the show I was watching, but she said she had a one night stand and she didn't care and she got pregnant, she kept the baby. Interesting. Make that make sense, y'all. What are we doing around here? Mm, 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 mm. We have lost our minds in this society. I can't regroup from that. <laughs> we have not matured nowhere. When I hear a grown woman say she didn't care. She wanted and needed that man's seed and she got it. <laughs> make that make sense and you winded up pregnant <laughs> kept the baby I salute her on that but then again is don't you want more for your children because guess what if they know about that now you're giving them an avenue to say I need to act just like my mama my mama made it mm, 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 mm. My, my, my. All <laughs> right, you know, yeah. Oh, unpacking a lot here, so. <laughs> you know I was ready. <laughs> so as far as, okay, so take me to the moment where you finished writing this book. It's done, it's, it's finalized, it is published. Do you feel that you receive support from people that you're close to first of all did you even let them know you were writing because some writers they just kind of do their thing and then they'll tell you later because they don't want to get you know distractions or whatever in the process so as you were writing did you let other people know and then take me to the moment when you were finished how did that feel I did not let anybody know that I was writing um, because um, I had to interview a couple of people for the vignettes and the stories and things like that um, I had already talked to the publisher. The publisher, I don't only want to hear. Um, and I, you know, went through the elements of how should we present it, um, just going through that. And once I actually got the book cover and everything, the, the, the title was already in, in the um, 
I think I still got it on my, my think board over here. It was already envisioned a long time before the, the, the writing started. The title of the book had already been envisioned. Um, I want to say last year. Um, well, 2021. So the what it, what it was going to look like and stuff, as far as what it was going to be writing about, um, had to find more information. And just doing that, um, what was it? I want to say October 5th. October 5th, our first launch of um, putting it into Amazon, the publisher put it into Amazon and things like that. We had a little um, hiccups because the, the finest things were misprinted wrong, um, but we did rectify that problem. So anybody who has ordered a book before this time, um, definitely email me at thetrjuda at outlook.com. And what I'll do is send you a signed copy free book on me because of the um, the, the print print work that we had uh, printed up in the wrong font and it was small and not clear and people couldn't read it. So um, I am issuing out free books to those who do have a book already with the small print, but we do have the new book with the, the right font and things like that and everything is great. So, um, so October 5th was the day we launched. So it was exciting. Um, support of family members and things like that. Um, the book starts selling. Um, one thing is, you know, I want to put it on different platforms too as well, Barnes and Nobles, um, definitely Busboys and Poets. I want to have a, um, um, what's they call it? A signing of the book um, at one of these local um, bookstores and things like that. So it's going to be a lot of things going on in 2023 with this, but it will be some more books coming out too as well from this because I want to teach people how to journal and actually tell your story. And if you don't want your story where people don't know who you are, to submit that story to me and we'll put it in another book um, because we want series of The Pressures of My Sin. Okay, so you answered my next question. I'm sorry. No, no, that's good. I was going to ask, like, what was your, you know, goals for this book? So you want see a series kind of thing. Yes. That's so the, seri the series will be still the pressures of my sin, but just like this difficult, difficult conversations, we're going to name it something else. So the subtitle will be different. That's awesome. There's so many people that want to get their story out there, but they don't want, you know, their name attached to it, or they don't want to this and that. So I'm pretty sure it'd be a lot of people who would be interested in this. I yes. And like I said, um, if you do get the book, you'll sit in there, um, you can write it. Um, I tell people just type it up and we will um, scratch out anything as far as identifying. We don't know whether, we don't wanna know whether you're black, white, orange, gay, whatever. Just tell us what you are and who you are. That's it. And what are, what are things that you're going through? What are you, things you need help with? Because basically I wanna start producing self-help books. So if it's a collaboration of people's having the same situation, then I write a book to counteract with that where you can try to heal from it or try to get some help too as well. Hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You definitely gave us all a lot to think about and process. This book sounds absolutely amazing. Um, please let everybody know how they can get in contact with you if they would like to. Well, you can actually go to my website. My website is www.therise.live, L-I-V-E. And actually, if you need to get in contact with me, you can just press the contact button and actually submit your information. I'll get back to you as soon as possible, one of my uh, research assistants to get back to you. So uh, we're just looking for people to just be honest. We don't have a lot of honest people here anymore. <laughs> and also remember human kind. Be kind to one another. Um, also, um, I'm on Instagram too at, what is it? The Rise Creating Your Voice. And also on Facebook is Judah Bernard. So anyway, you need to contact me. You can contact me there. But my email address, once again, is the, T-H-E-T-R, Judah, J-U-D-A-H, 
at outlook.com. Or you can reach me by there. But if you go to my website, go to the contact information, submit it, and definitely someone will get back in contact with you. Um, I do do speaking engagements. I do um, um, different things. Um, because I want to help out the youth and the youth of the society. I got a lot of mentees that I'm mentoring, just trying to make it a better place um, for them, for their mindset, and also their behaviors. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It has been such a pleasure to have you on. Um, I definitely want people to absolutely, if they have Instagram, check you out on Instagram because you do some amazing lives. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm all about asking the why question. I want to know why. And some we need to be asking that of ourselves. Every day I wake up is why do I feel the way I feel? Mm. And how can I move forward? And one thing I try to tell people, sometimes we need to measure our feeling. And I usually use a thermostat of measuring my feeling. If I know I'm at a 35, which is probably my lowest, it's okay if I want to go to a 38. That means at least I went up three measures higher than what I was feeling from the beginning. But then again, as I continue my daily routine, I know I can get up to whatever my goal is. And I might not get up to probably a 50. But guess what? I made a goal to do it. And if I didn't get up to it, guess what? I celebrate the small wins that I made it to a 38 or a 40 or whatever in the end day is. But the, the end goal is it's okay not to be okay. Mm. it's okay not to be okay and understand that we all go through different stuff different pressures different struggles different whatever you want to call it but guess what if you continue to roll yourself in there it will continue to come back to you exactly as you're rolling yourself in and you'll never get out of it until you try something different and that's changing your mindset, changing your behavior, and also changing your lifestyle. And I'm not saying lifestyle um, being that gay population, straight population, anything like that, but lifestyle like healthy eating, um, healthy reading. Stay off of social media for a while. Start saying who you are. Do things like that that are healthy for you. Take long walks instead of going out to the club. Hmm. Do something healthy. And what does healthy look like for you? I don't know. It might you want to just drink a bottle. I don't know what people do. People have different obsessions. <laughs> but you find your niche, whatever that is. But then again, you have to find the niche. And that's what I started doing. I started seeing what my niche, and that does not involve my family. That just involves me. Uh, that's it. And then I just have a higher calling with God and just being able to talk to him every day. I believe in God. I know other people have higher conscious, whatever, upper conscious, higher powers and things like that. So whatever belief or faith you may be in, understand that you are part of whatever that human conscious or that higher conscious and things like that is too as well. And if they're a higher conscious, how high is your conscious on them? I'm going to tell you before I leave is, it's in the Bible, it says, thy will keep you in perfect peace as long as your mind is stayed on thee. Hmm. And that's what I do. I remain with my mind stayed on God. It's who I serve. I can only give that part because I know who I serve. Um, and in that, I develop peace because I continue to have my mind on him. I start with him. I end with him. In the noonday, I'm with him. So see who that is for you. But if you're still steady trying to figure out what John Blow or who shot the Johnny and um, who shot um, somebody on Dallas or whatever, guess what? You're just speaking that back into your life because guess what? You're going to become just as confused as you already are. And not saying that you're confused, but you're going to have a lot of situations going on because that's just the life you want to lead. That's not my life I want to lead. I mind my own business and I, I make sure that I put that in the work atmosphere, minding my own business. <laughs> yes, drink that water, mind that business. So I, I hate to ask another question at this point. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
came into to my brain and I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna ask it. So has anybody ever said to you, they don't know who they are? Because I feel like there are a lot of people that are so far gone, like they're so lost. And so they get to this place in their life where they thought they knew who they were and then they start unlearning things that you know were fed to them. Um, and they start to try and seek truth for themselves, which looks different from every for everybody. But has anyone ever told you, like, you know what? I just I don't know who I am. Yes, and then let me be honest with you. I've had several clients, and I actually used to um, do a um, accountability based sex offender program mm-hmm. um, where um, I did this exercise with children um, who were um, sex offenders that were not even eighteen yet. Mm. Um, and at that particular time I was in, in school and I was thinking about how we are already, um, um, therapeutically trying to heal these people, but you don't even know their story. So what I started doing is for my clients and other people is let's start writing your story on a chalkboard. You tell me who you are and tell me the important things to put up here or who you feel you are. Sometimes you have to engage the person to want to do it themselves. But so many people are looking for people to give answers when the answers are inside of you. Well said. <laughs> yeah, well said. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> so much covered here. Um, again, I hope y'all can take it all in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the incredible work um, that you have done and are doing and will continue to do. It is so needed. Um, it's such a powerful mission and I know it's appreciated by many, but thank you for, for sharing your, your gems with us and letting us know about your book. Um, I'll be sure to include the links and the social media tags and all that great stuff. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you so much. Um, my first podcast that I've been on, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, um, for what God has just for me. Um, and that's being able to tell the story and being able to release it as its truth and honesty. Um, and that's the only way I know how. Um, as we move forward, that's all, all I know. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, but, you know, we all have rough lives. And that's just my opinion. That we all have rough lives and how you describe rough is probably not how I describe rough. So understand that I'm giving you an element of how I felt my life was. So don't put rough into your own perceived notion of, oh my gosh, she had a bad life. I'm not saying that. Rough for me that it could have been smoother. So sometimes we perceive people to what they say and how we attribute it to what society think rough is. Mm. Let's stop doing that because now you become a perceiver and you per- and perception, let me, let me tell you what perception does. It gives you an assumption or an, or an idea of what you feel. That's not a true feeling of the ones that you perceive it. Another jam. All right. Hello. (laughs) And And that's what we do. Society have us perceiving. And one thing that I learned in that, that people will put that perception on you to make you act a certain way. Hmm. It's just, it's a psych, it's a psychological, um, a psychological knowledge based um, where people trying to normalize what society should be. And that's not how this is supposed to be. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you ain't lie, you ain't never lie. Mm. 
And that's how we have all these isms because they want people to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, my God called me peculiar and that's why I'm standing, I'm standing in a peculiar line. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> call me what you may, just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one, audience, and thank you for listening. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for your continued support. And if this is your first time, check it out an episode. Thank you for your time. I got so many other episodes and, and interviews, solo episodes with just myself. Um, and it's all appreciated. We've been able to touch so many different countries on this platform and it means so much just to be able to share great information maybe have a laugh maybe have a cry you know to relate to people all over the world is such a blessing and I don't take it for granted you know I started this podcast with an idea um, that came from people telling me that I should have a podcast People were asking about it, said they would listen to it. They like my voice. And here we are. And I feel like it's only getting better and better. I'm starting to incorporate some of the original things, like the different sounds and things that just kind of make it pop a little bit. So hopefully if you've been listening um, for a while, you have noticed a couple changes that I've made, a couple different upgrades that I've made. But I say all that to say, you are appreciated. Thank you for supporting me. And thank you for supporting my amazing guests. Don't forget to follow them on social media. Check out their website. See what kind of services they have. You can even recommend them to be on another podcast. Like in this episode, I found out that I was his first ever podcast. And so I think podcasts are so amazing. And to get on more platforms and to be able to express yourself more is awesome. And I definitely... I'm all about recommendations and for people to to grow. So if you hear somebody on my podcast and you think, hmm, I want to interview this person. If you have your own podcast or you know a podcaster looking for someone uh, with the same ideas and the same you know, background as somebody that you hear, definitely recommend them. And that's all I got, y'all. I appreciate you. Take care.